passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. What's up? What's happening? That's Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman, and uh, we got we got a game to talk about. Week two, Logan, and it is going to be a good one. Out in Denver, Commanders and Broncos, our preview podcast here on Take Command. And again, uh, don't forget, the Take Command pregame show comes at you for even more preview right before the game, three hours before kick each and every weekend. Live on the Team 980 and 106.7 The Fan. Streaming live on our YouTube pages as well. We'll be live at Tap Sports Bar, MGM, National Harbor at 1 o'clock this Sunday. But, Logan, for the pod, let's dive right in. Offense first for the Commanders against a very talented Broncos defense. Vance Joseph, the former Broncos head coach, is the coordinator. uh, And they've got some real talent, especially up front. Yeah, I mean, they're talented kind of throughout the defense. Like, it's so funny. Like, when you watch – like, when I was prepping for Arizona, you're like, man, this defense in the preseason is pretty good. And then you watch them against – you watch Denver against uh, – Oakland, not Oakland, against Las Vegas. And it just felt like the the speed of the group upticked a little bit. And, you know, that's a a divisional game. It's hard to know. You know, like, everyone gets up for those games a little bit more. But, um, yeah, man, like, let's just start with the back end of that group. They've got some really, really talented pieces. I think, uh, like, Patrick Sertan, like – probably right now is one of the top five corners in the NFL. He matched up with um, uh, Adams uh, from Las Vegas and kind of, I don't want to say shut him down because you're never going to shut him down completely, but was in his pocket the whole day, you know? And then I think that was something that I was a little surprised about is how just dexterous he was with his coverage. And then the safety man, Justin Simmons is an absolute unit, bro. Like I didn't realize he was that big. He's six, two, he's like two Oh five. There's a couple where like Jacoby Myers is coming to crack him on runs and he is like, no, thank you, bro. 
shoulder down, like bang, <laughs> big hit. And I didn't know this, but he's had 20 interceptions over the last four years. Makes so sense to me. Uh, I was like, playing my franchise mode in Madden, and he had four against me. Wow. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so not he's a good like, time. So he's he's a guy that is, you know, arguably the, you know, he's top three safety in the NFL. Yeah, very, very really good, good football player. And so like when you see like when you see those two guys, you're like, man, that's a different kind of caliber. Obviously, um, at the other yeah. safety spot is Kareem Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of I don't want to say he's he's a good, solid guy, but nothing like crazy. And then the guy that I think for a long time. Yeah, the guy that I think is really interesting is Damari Mathis. So Damari Mathis is the other corner. He's number 27. And like I said, um, Sertan kind of matched uh, Adams the whole game. Um, and Damari was the guy kind of on Jacoby. And Jacoby torched him. So I look at this team, this offense, and I'm saying, like, how do you find 27 as often and as frequently as possible, especially given the receiver depth? Now, I don't know if – I don't know if Sertan's going to match Terry because, you know, I think they're aware that Terry's not 100%. I think you could see that in last week's game when he's running around. But, man, if you get Jahan Dotson on 27, like, let that man cook. Like, he should catch 20 balls. Like, I, and I, like he's – DeMurray's a, a fine pro. He's a fine pro. But he just doesn't have the coverage chops. And especially if you're going to get all these targets directed at you, I think that's a guy that you could really take advantage of in the back end. That's interesting, um, for sure. And I, the one thing I noticed when I watched Denver's game back against Vegas is like they're they play fast, like they're Dude, physical. They so fast. Even, even these DBs are all over the place. Um, even twenty sevens, like he's up and run support. Like yes. they're they are not afraid. Um, but yes, Jacoby Myers absolutely cooked, and Jahan Jahan Dotson is a lot better than Jacoby Myers. With all due respect to Jacoby Myers, who's a good Dude, receiver. I will say I don't know if Jacoby Myers went to like some receiver camp this offseason. I've always liked him, but he like yeah. looked like he took it up. Like there was at points in the game, you know, when you're on like all twenty two, the numbers are a little blurry. You're like, is that Adams? You're like, oh no, that's Jacoby. You know what I mean? And yeah. so like. They both got dreads now, so they look kind of similar. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, on, on the fuzzy tape, it's hard to tell yes, apart. Right, right. And uh, but so like he's he's a good football player, man. I think he's a perfect two, you know. And like obviously here we have, you know, Batman and Robin. We got Terry and Jahan. And so like, can our two, you know, like capitalize on the matchup the way Jacoby did, or do they kind of change their coverage structure to match him? Because like in addition to, um. Uh, like the the back end, I think um, Las Vegas kind of approached that game with a very, very different mindset than what I would have thought. They got out there in like 21 personnel, 22 personnel, 12 personnel. And they were like, we are running the damn ball. So you did get a little bit easier coverage structure or more more challenging coverage structure because all of those underneath players are now like really aggressive to run support. So he was on a little bit more of an island. So do you does does EB adopt that or does he kind of stick with his like spread out approach and say you know we'll find these same matchups but from a spread formation I I think there's probably you know there's costs and benefits to both but when you're in that tight formation you know it really is like he's by himself you know what I mean like that player's on on an island a little bit more so it'd be interesting to see if if they take anything from that last yeah they were play. Vegas was was tight a lot a, like lot. a lot of stacks a lot of bunches with very yeah. very short splits. Um, you know, again, the extra tight ends on the wings, all, all those mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. Yep. And, you know, that, that doesn't exactly play to Washington's personnel strength. Um, you know, they do have obviously Cole Turner and Logan Thomas, but you want to get Curtis Samuel on the field as often as possible. And, and how right. are you doing that? If you're in 22 and 12, you're, you're not, it is worth mentioning. Curtis does have a hip, uh, that popped up on the injury report. Uh, he's only limited on a Wednesday, which means he's probably playing. He's probably fine. Um, but just worth noting at this point. Uh, the question I would have for you on this, though, um, on the back end stuff when it comes to the Washington offense is how does like if, you, if you're coaching Sam up this week and you're like, all right, there's this guy in the back, 
Simmons. He's yeah. going to be everywhere. Sam's never played a safety like this. Um, so how yeah. do you how do you coach him up to make sure that you know interse- career interception twenty one doesn't come against <laughs> Sam Howe because Sam just doesn't realize that he's going to be able to fly down from the post or wherever he is and and get his hands on a ball. I think there's a couple ways, you know, like one of the things that I liked about Las Vegas's game plan is the way they, they would shift. So basically like what uh, Vance Joseph's defense is, it's, I think at its core, it's a split, it's a split, um, split safety look, right? What they do is they kind of do stuff that is similar to what the commanders do, where both there's not like a strong and a weak safety. So like with motion, you don't have one guy like run with the motion and get set up in a new spot. You just rock and roll it. Like, so you roll down, and then you've got the numbers that you want in run support. And so I think what they did is they kind of were like, we're going to make Simmons be the run player. Like, he's a good run player, but he's not we, – we prefer him there as opposed to in the post making plays on the football. So I thought that was kind of an interesting way to kind of handle that problem. It's like, hey, man, we're going to make him fit a lot of runs, and he's not going to be able to, like, get where he's got to go. The other thing is I'd say is, um, you know, like – so that's one way schematically that I thought Las Vegas did a good job of kind of dealing with him. I will also say like with good football players, you can't really account for it until you see it. You know, you can't really account for the speed, their instincts until you see it a couple of times. And I think maybe there's a good way of kind of saying, Hey, like we can show, we can show Simmons a bunch of different looks. We can show him a bunch of different formations, but let's kind of steer clear of his side of the field for the first couple of reps until we get a beat on exactly like how he's playing the game. And we can give the quarterback some information and intel and basically be like, Hey man, like, you know, this is how he's playing this stuff. We think this throws there. Let's try to hit this next time. If it's not there, let's hit the check down. You know, and then just remind him that it, the windows are going to be smaller against good good coverage players like that. So don't be afraid to check the ball down. Like we, you know, on one of the sacks uh, or one of, when, on the interception, you know, uh, from the um, from the Arizona game, mm-hmm. we, we both mentioned how Antonio Gibson's like wide open over the ball. And so even though that that home run throws there against these better coverage structures against Patrick Sertan, like clock's going off the rush is there just check the ball down the back live to play another day and then we can go a couple plays and call that same play again when we feel like it's time so i would say this is like you know we talked about sam maturing as a player i think this is a good game to kind of just remind him hey man like you don't need to make every throw you don't need to make every play we'll talk about the uh the denver offense in a second but they're super conservative or they were in this game so we don't need to press as much as you probably think we can play the long game and win a tight score. Or win a tight scoring game here is what I would say. So just reminding me of that stuff, I think, is the best way to deal with some of these more dynamic coverage players. Is say, hey, you don't need to win it every single throw. Take your time. Yeah, uh, you you go to the Alex Smith school. Uh, you can't go broke making a profit. Right, and and, and then people people, the way to people go hate sometimes. on Alex. People hate on Alex Smith, but like he was a good pro for a long time, and because yeah, he took won a lot football. of football games that way. Yeah, yeah um, you know, you, you can absolutely go broke giving away the game to Justin Simmons. Uh, so, you know, Correct. that's, 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 that's no bueno. Uh, that. Take, take those check downs, uh, keep it going uh, and, and go from there. Um, the other thing that I noticed watching the Vegas Denver game that I think is an area of potential concern is Garoppolo got the ball out he really did. fast. And there was Denver was not afraid to pressure like they've got some talent up front, as we'll talk about with Clark and Gregory and mm-hmm. some of these guys is, is rushers. But they also will bring pressure and they'll do it like there was one that they went, you know, probably a seven man pressure. I didn't go back right. and like rewatch it, but it was a third one it, or something like that. Well, I was going to say on a first and ten. 
Oh, was it? They had one on third and one. Well. Yeah, there was like a seven-man. It might have even been an eight-man pressure on first and ten. And you're like, what the hell? Who does yeah. that? And so Vance Joseph will scheme some stuff up. And Garoppolo, who this is kind of what has kept him in the league, is super smart. And he's able to decipher that stuff. He also has he one of the, the fastest releases in the NFL. Yeah. Like and his, so he gets the ball out where Sam, obviously last week, that was an issue, holding the ball yeah. a little bit too long. And that's just naturally going to be an issue for a younger quarterback. The recognition is not going to happen as quickly because he doesn't have the file that Garoppolo has. So again, like if you're coaching up Sam slash scheming up for Sam, how do you try to prepare him to get the ball out quickly without, you know, falling into his own blitz and throwing a, a pick that way? Well, I think that it's so like, for example, let's talk about the front a little bit in conjunction with the split stuff, kind of set the table. So they're a three, four structure, very similar to Arizona, right? They're built a little different. I'd say they, they've got kind of like these more athletic bodies inside, you know, as opposed to traditional three, four, we get the 330 pound four eye, the four, the 360 pound nose, and they're in there just crushing double teams. These guys are a little bit more athletic, so they can do some more stuff, you know, and they play a little bit faster, like you alluded to, right? Um, the first thing I try to do is just get them out of that base structure. You know, I don't want them in that structure as much as possible. Like, so I'm, I'm saying like, cause like all their, all their blitz, most of their blitzes came out of that structure. Right. And one of the reasons that that structure is so good for blitzing is because if you think about a three, four and let's, this is going to get really football nerdy. So just hold on to your horses here for a second. So they are a three, four base personnel, but they get into four down structures with the three, four personnel. So what they call like, um, like a 37 front, for example. So where they would shade the backside four eye to a three technique and move the nose to a shade on the front side, right? So they kind of just change the spacing, which is very challenging for unfit. So if I'm EB, if I'm a coach and they can do all this different stuff, because, you know, like um, Wade Phillips is, he's from the Wade Phillips tree and they do a great job of kind of using this three, four personnel, changing the fronts, and as an offensive player, especially in the run game, it becomes a little bit challenging identifying and targeting some of this stuff. So I want them out of that. And the best way to get them out of it is get into like 11 personnel, spread it out a little bit. So a couple of things happen, right? You get them in a, in a better personnel grouping, a simpler personnel grouping. And when you spread it out, sometimes it's easier for the quarterback to identify pressure looks, right? Because like that nickel who's over the slot guy to time the blitz up has to kind of creep a little bit early, right? Because the time and distance is better. So um, I think that's, if I was going to guess, I think that's what EB would do is kind of spread them out, right? Limit kind of the, um, the confusion of having like a tight box. Uh, but I do think there are advantages to both. Like some people, like we just talked about, like when you tighten the box up, you get better looks at the one-on-one -on -one matchups on the perimeter. So there's, there's, there's pros and cons to both. But if I was him, I'd probably, and I guess I'd probably do, now that I'm talking through it with you, you know, because this question, we didn't rehearse it. I'd probably yeah. do a little bit of both. I'd probably be like, hey, man, let's get in this in heavy and throw. Let's get in um, 11 and 10 and run the football a little bit and kind of give Sam some answers in terms of how he can see some of these structures and simplify the structures for the offensive line. I'd also probably go a little bit of tempo. You know what I mean? Again, because it's harder for the coordinator to call in stuff from the sideline. And they, and they go fast anyway. But those are some things I'd probably really key in on this week and be like, hey, man, let's see if we can emphasize these points a little bit to kind of make it easier for Sam. Because you're right. Like, we talked about the front. Those two linebackers inside, I think one's name is, um, let me look it up, Singleton and Judy, or it's kind of a funny name. Uh, Ju Jewel. Josie Jewel. Yeah, Josie Jewel. There we go. Are Old JJ. excellent. Excellent. Singleton was excellent in this game. Just in terms of scraping and fitting runs and fast, he's in coverage windows. Like, he was awesome. 
he was awesome to watch. And so having those two guys inside, again, kind of coupled with the back end, like you got to kind of, I think you got to just try to either spread them out or you kind of say to yourself, we have a more athletic offensive line than, than Las Vegas. So we can get to those second level blocks a little bit better. So I'm, I'm just really curious to see how they solve this puzzle, especially given that EB is so new as the coordinator, like what are his tools? What are his plans? Like, and I was talking to, um, to Fred and Santana and we were like, man, it was a little simple in terms of like pre-snap stuff, you know? And Fred immediately was like, he probably doesn't want to put too much on the quarterback. So how much do they add this week to kind of say, Hey, Sam, like this is going to really help us and see if Sam can handle it. So I think this is really compelling for all of that stuff. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, like in terms of the blitz question specifically, I think, I think you probably see him uh, just knowing what EB's done so far, spread it out a little bit and see if you can get some tells pre-snap. So two things. One, it is worth mentioning that EB is very familiar with Vance Joseph because yes. obviously he was the head coach in Denver uh, previously and Kansas city, Denver, uh, uh, divisional rivals and so they saw him two times a year um so there is a lot of familiarity there nevertheless this is a defense that's kind of been around the league um there's that wade phillips tree isn't exactly small at this point considering how long wade was around and uh, how good he was uh so there there are like it's not like it's new to eb even if it's very new to sam I, you did mention something that i kind of want to go back to that we didn't really talk about on the last pod but that is is key to what you just said which is EB's play calling like we talked a little bit about the run pass balance but sure. there was a I guess there was a lot of people that that were saying it was much simpler than they thought like oh my god I thought we were gonna get 78 jet motions and reverses yeah. and whatever and it's like yeah you, you probably will get some of that stuff but like it was Arizona you didn't need and it was week one and all due respect like, you don't need to empty the clip week one against Arizona and put everything you got on tape like you never do that anyway it's one week there's only so many plays you can call but like as you were watching it, was the offense simpler than you thought, or you think that's a narrative that's a little overstated? Because they did they did run Curtis Samuel once. There yeah. was you know some jet motion, uh, although not a lot. Um, there there wasn't maybe as much motion as as we thought. There was a lot of different you know formations and things like that. You know different guys lining up different places, but perhaps it wasn't as as fancy, if you will as as the maximal version of this what we saw in kansas city and what i would say is i I'd probably agree with that to a certain extent but what i what i will say is i felt like it didn't negatively affect the drop back passing stuff i actually thought the drop back passing stuff when you watched the all 22 was was pretty clean you know in terms of windows and throwing lanes and um that defense that philadelphia defense is it's not philadelphia but uh, jonathan gannon's defense from philadelphia they tend to play simpler coverage structures, right? It's like kind of they give you underneath stuff. And I thought they pressured and simulated pressure a little bit more than they would traditionally. But at, at its core, it was it was that. So it's just about really finding those open spaces. And you're not going to manipulate it the same way. I'm sure you could, but it's not, it's not as necessary as it is with some other teams. And also, I think like this is maybe the most important thing. Like the play caller and the offense is still so new. And you have to kind of work that verbiage and work that communication in a way that is um that that is is effective right because if i could put all this stuff in in the world but if the guys don't know it and they don't understand like why we're doing it and the benefit of it 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 really doesn't it's a it's a net negative you know because it makes them play slowly and so i think kind of kind of coming in against a team like arizona with a relatively simplistic game plan and basically being like let's go get it you know what i'm saying let's make it happen um, yeah, got the EB from training camp. Go get it. Yeah, yeah. Snap. 
I, I think I think that's there's there's a lot of benefit to that. Like that's I a joke when, for people that were at training camp and at <laughs> training camp only. Um, but yeah, I think like um, it was like uh, like what was I going to say? Like it's it's like Kyle. This is a really good example. Kyle used to put in. He'd go through these phases where he you know his brain is just he's big brain football you know and he'd put in you know run check to another run check to a pass you know then like on third down we'd have all these different and he's in his and his goal is to get you in the best position to be successful but there's so much volume of offense in it just kind of clouds the picture and he and he was aware of that he said that he's like we just put too much too much too soon and it was too complicated we got to kind of stick with the basics and, and be okay with running into bad looks for a while until guys really own the principles of these, these kind of basic runs. And I think there's an element of that going on here. I don't know. I haven't talked to you, but I would assume that's what's happening. And, and again, like when you watch the all 22, like it was pretty effective, the offense, you know, the end, the drop back passing stuff and the intermediate stuff. So yes. Was it simpler than I thought? Do I think there are potential reasons for it? 100%. And do I think it's going to get more complicated as the season goes and, and opponent dependent? Yes, I do. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, I think that's definitely something to watch, um, you know, trick it up a little bit. It's also the kind of thing that like, you know, the jet pass or the the, the jet sweep stuff, like you can get Terry more touches that way. Something sure. they didn't necessarily need to do uh, or didn't feel like they needed to do uh, against Arizona. So we'll see uh, as they scheme it up this weekend against Denver. Anything else? Uh, Washington offense, Denver defense. Washington offense, Denver defense. Uh, not really. You know, I, the one thing that Santana brought up the other day when I was talking to him is you know, he said, like, you know, it'd be interesting to see if they uh, if they take um, uh, Sertan and match him up with Jahan, you know, as mm-hmm. they kind of identify him as the more dangerous weapon at this point. And or if they do any matching at all. But I think that's something to keep an eye on is how they decide to play this receiver group with their secondary, you know, because if, if they do play in a specific way, like that's a matchup in terms of. Jahan on 27 or Terry on 27 that I, if I'm EB, I'm looking to explain. I was, I was going to say, if I am the enemy, please Lord put Sertan on Jahan. Not because like, I'm, I'm like, Oh yeah, take Jahan out because Jahan's really important to this offense and Sertan's great and can kind of do that to guys, but disrespect yeah. Terry and see how that goes. Yeah, the way cool. that dude competes and he like, he will, he's going to get some balls. Yeah. Um, I think the question becomes, though, with a guy like Simmons, can you take Sertan, put him on Dotson and say, all right, you're you're on an island over here and we're going to, you know, Belichick used to do this at times where he'd yeah. take his number two corner on the number one receiver and then say, we're just going to give that guy safety help sure. all the time. So yeah. it's it's two on one on the best guy, one on one on the second best guy, but it's with your best guy and and hope that that, may, that plays out. Obviously, that, you know it only works in certain situations because you're running different coverages and are you in man? Are you in zone? Are you in this? Are you in that formationally EB can do some things, try to free that up and make it more difficult. Obviously Washington also has more weapons, um, whether that's Logan Thomas, uh, Cole Turner, Curtis Samuel, the backs there, there are, there are solutions to everything, but as a base kind of fundamental strategy, I think that is a very, very interesting chess game in terms of how you approach that. Yeah, and we'll see what they end up doing, you know. But I think, uh, and I think that's a great point about the safety help. Like they, 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 as much as offenses evolve week to week, defenses evolve week to week. And I think when you look at it, you say they only gave up 17 points. Like that was a really solid performance by them to an offense. Say what you want, say what you want about Russell Wilson. We'll talk about them in a second. Like it was pretty efficient. You know what I mean? Like it was pretty efficient from a completion percentage standpoint. Like they're, they're, I think they're being too conservative, but, um, but, 
despite kind of giving up 100 yards receiving, like they were able to kind of to to um to Jacoby Myers, like they were able to to manage the offensive production and make plays when they need to. They you know interception in the red zone, all that kind of stuff. So yep. it is it is a very let's not get it twisted. Maybe this is the most important thing. This is a very good defense. Like this yeah. is a very fast defense. It's a very physical defense. It is a very different challenge and perspective than it was last week. So really curious to see what the plan is. And I do think that the that the their defense's relationship, Denver's defense's relationship to the offense is something that I think is really interesting in terms of how EB calls this game. Because when you know the other offense is a little bit conservative, does EB get a little bit more conservative and say, let's make this a defensive defensive special teams game more because of some of these concerns about some of the pieces they have in the back end, for example. Definitely. Um, and the last thing I'll mention here um, just kind of popped into my head as we were talking about it is this, you have the crowd situation, which you talked about uh, oh, yeah. in the last pod where it's like, yeah, Denver's crowd matters. Actually, no, sorry. You didn't tell us about it in the last pod. We recorded a bunch of stuff the other day. Take five that's out tomorrow is uh, Denver uh, Logan's Denver stories and uh, right. a, a small preview. Denver's crowd is really loud and matters. Really loud, um, yeah. They are 0-1 on the year, so there's a level of desperation that you cannot fake. 100%. Uh, and last but not least, if to kind of bring the crowd back into it, they are honoring one of John Elway's Super Bowl champions, I believe, at halftime. Teams. Oh, really? So John Elway going to be in the house, like people there excited to celebrate that. So the, the crowd should be pretty juiced on Sunday. Uh, which is another factor, obviously, when your offense is on the field, something Sam Howell has never dealt with. This is his first road start. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. That's Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman. If you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast. We'd love for you to do so. Uh, not, not just for us, but for your own benefit. Don't miss a pod. Uh, you can do that on your favorite podcast platform, including on YouTube, where full episodes are on 106.7 The Fans page. And if you are watching on 106.7 The Fans page, go ahead and hit that like button so that people know, well, that you like it. Or at least that someone did. They don't know that it's you. It's anonymous. Just go ahead and hit it. Uh, and then other people will get to see it because YouTube's algorithm will be like, hey, good stuff there. All right. Uh, 
very interesting week for Russell Wilson last week. First week uh, as Sean Payton's quarterback. What did you make of of what they did schematically? Um, you know, Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator there, a guy that that yeah. you've watched uh, quite a bit of tape on before. Yeah. Uh, but reason, yeah. yeah. So what? You know, how does how does what uh, Payton and Lombardi want to do fit with? what Russell Wilson can do at this point in his career and what was ultimately uh, a 16 point performance in their debut. Yeah. I ultimately got the sense that they were like, we don't want Russ. We don't like, you know, like that. Everyone's like, we want Russ to cook. Yeah. Let Russ cook. Do not let Russ cook. Do not let Russ near the stove. No grilling for Russell. That's right. He's, he's doing like, they do not want him leveraged at all. He, um, gosh like it, you know lots of kind of roll passes lots of play action lots of run game lots of quick game and this is kind of his this was his plan this was his his model to kind of correct um to correct uh you know Jameis Winston when he was coordinating for Jameis Winston and it worked really well like Jameis Winston's touchdown interception ratio went from the worst in the NFL to like pretty serviceable like just in one off just in one five game stretch with Sean Payton and so this this philosophy does work for him especially for a team like last year that was pretty bad like they're going to lean on the defense they're going to play a field position game and they're going to rely on Russ to make plays in kind of specific situations so despite kind of saying Russ you will never cook he did make some plays in the red zone that I thought were really really good right so Max Crosby you know probably top three edge rusher in the NFL at this point he is outstanding he ridiculous man um he, he's going against mike mcglinchy beats him inside and rush just kind of sidesteps soft roll to the right find somebody touchdown next time they're in the red zone on the other side of the field i think it's the fourth quarter same thing crosby gets or tries to rush inside rush steps out of the pocket finds somebody touchdown so he's he still does have some kind of mobility and ability to evade and extend plays it's just when you watch him it's definitely not to the same caliber that it was you know, three years ago when he was like really balling in Seattle or, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago when he was like kind of at the peak of his powers. He's still a, he's still, so I'll put it this way, compare him to Josh Dobbs and it's not even close, right? So like this defense is going to be facing a very unique challenge. I do think the pacing of the game will feel very similar to what Arizona brought in, right? They didn't want Josh Dobbs making any kind of big throws or making any big mistakes. I think it's the same thing with Russell Wilson but you do have a better playmaking piece back there. And I think this offense does a really good job of kind of body punch, body punch, body punch. And then all of a sudden you're kind of like lulled into this false sense of security and they take a shot. So for example, they were around the 40 yard line, which is a good time to take a shot. If you're in offense, they take a, uh, it's a play action pass. Cortland Sutton, who's like their only healthy receiver at the moment beats the corner is wide open and Russ just overthrows it. So like they do have this, they do have ex, a explosive playmaker. We'll see if Jerry Judy plays when it, we're recording this on Thursday. So who knows? Um, but Greg Dolchich, who was another guy who was very explosive for that offense, has a hamstring. He's out. Like they don't have a lot of explosive pieces, but I think Cortland Sutton is probably a top, definitely a top 20 receiver in the NFL, maybe top 15. And like he can make plays for you if you have to. Big, long strider. But like that is still a feature of what they want to do. They're going to kind of bore you to death. And then all of a sudden they get one or two, and then all of a sudden it's 21 to, 21 to 14 or whatever, and you're, and you're looking up at a, at a different score than it was against uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. So they don't want Russ cooking. They're trying to manage him as much as they can, but he still has the ability to make plays, and I think that's something that this defense needs to be acutely aware of. 
is like they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna run the ball at you. They're gonna do some misdirection stuff. It's gonna be very his average depth of target I think was like two point four yards or something yeah. insane. It's like he barely passed the line of scrimmage. So like just to give you an idea of what's going on with them, but it's a different animal than Josh Dobbs and they do and Joe Lombardi, Sean Payton. They know how to find shots. So just that's something I'd say just kind of be aware of if you're watching this game. Yeah. The difference of Jerry Judy is there is pretty significant. So yeah. all of a sudden you have Judy and Sutton and you're like, oh, okay, well, this is this just became more difficult. And you talk about the ability to create shots like Jerry Judy just creates shots one on one because he's sure. Jerry Judy. Like he's a tremendous route runner with great speed. We'll see what he can do from you know that speed standpoint with the hamstring injury. But he was limited in practice on Wednesday and told reporters that he is trending towards playing on Sunday. So that would obviously be a pretty dynamic game changer. Um, but the other thing that I think I noticed about Wilson's performance against Vegas is it felt like nothing was on schedule. And so yeah. it is a and that's kind of his M.O. Um, I almost felt like it was worse than usual. Um, which is weird because like offense than it, is, yeah. is based on being on rhythm and being on yeah. like being on the quick game. Hit, yeah, Russ's drop. rhythm is like stand back there, feel like you're supposed to do something, and then run out of the pocket and find yeah. somebody's sidearm. And he's <laughs> still good at that. Um, yeah. And you know, and and I just think there is a level of discipline and patience that this defense is going to have to play with yes. that is very different than Josh Dobbs for sure. Um, or like when Josh Dobbs got out of the pocket, you're like, all right really good time to see if we can make a play here because right. he's going to miss some safety you know, linebacker coming from the backside, like, you know, whatever it is or, you know, but we'll see. And this is where like a guy like Montez sweat skill set is so important because if you try to run away from Montez sweat, you're not actually going to get away. Um, and that's going to be interesting to see, you know, Russell Wilson, you know, when he breaks the pocket, does he intentionally run away from Montez sweat? Like yeah. how, do, how does that other side work? Do you see a little bit more Casey Tuhill, a little bit faster player, this week and, and especially in passing situations. There's like a lot of things there, but you know, the the patience and discipline element of this defense is gonna have to be on its P's and Q's this weekend because your scramble rules, because yeah. you know, all the the kind of discipline stuff as plays get extended is going to become really important. And you know, obviously on schedule is important as well. But Russ is Russ is a guy that looks to break the pocket. He looks to get out and make plays more than he does stand in there and, and try to find something late in the down. Yeah. And, it, and it, you're right. Like it's, that's what he wants to do. And this offense is not, it's not for him really. It, it just, it was just such like, you could just tell they were like, no Russ, don't do that. Like let's, let's like limit your, limit your creativity as much as possible. And I, and I, and again, like I kind of think that's warranted based on last year's performance from him. So I kind of understand what they're doing, but I also think there's a, there's a balance here. And I think they walked that really well with just uh, Jameis Winston when he was in uh, New Orleans um, is again, it was super conservative, but like the thing that makes Jameis Winston awesome is he's not afraid to take a shot. He's not afraid to be aggressive. And so they'd give him like four or five opportunities in a game where it was like, go be yourself. And he would do something crazy, he'd throw a pick or he'd throw a touchdown. It was like very, you know, polarizing, but I think they need to adopt more of that with Russell, you know, cause again, he, there, there was times when he's escaping the pocket and he and the back's wide open in front of him and he just floats the ball over the dude's head. And it's like, that would have been a 15-yard game. So obviously there are, there are plays to be made for him. There are there are opportunities for the offense to be more efficient than it was against Las Vegas. But um, I, th I think there's a lot of stuff going on with Russ. And it just really that offense is, 
is right now is trying to be rust proof as opposed to supporting rust in a way that you've seen other offenses do in the past. So, yeah. Um, the offensive line and pass protection. Yes. Um, I don't know whether they're good or not because that Max Crosby's so good. He makes everyone look bad. Yeah. Um, but what did you see from the offensive line and pass pro? Then we should definitely talk about Denver's running game because I think they're going to run it a lot. I think so um, and they've got some really talented backs, obviously, 100%. starting with Javante Williams. But uh, to finish off kind of the pass uh, portion of this, how are how is Denver's offensive line and pass pro? Well, they you know they went and spent a lot of money this offseason to kind of improve that group. They've got uh, Mike McGlinchey playing right tackle, who again was in San Francisco and is a very Good player. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of where I'd rank him. He's probably a top 12 right tackle in the NFL. He's very good, you know, and I think he did a really good job against Crosby. Like, Crosby got him because Crosby gets everybody. But I thought, like, on those two touchdown plays I described, like, to keep in phase with a guy who can kind of do whatever he wants and then rush how he wants was a really good job by him, you know. They, they also signed Ben Powers from Baltimore. He was another huge free agent signing, like a $55 million guard, which is people aren't spending money like that on offensive line anymore. But he's a uh, you know known as known to be a better pass protector than a run blocker, big kind of 350, 360 pound kind of guy. And then they got Garrett Boyles, who again is you know been a little bit up and down, but when he's up, he's a top five player at the position. You know, like he's in that same conversation with like Trent Williams, and you know he's not in that that first tier of like Trent, you know Tristan Wirfs, like maybe Lane Johnson. He's a little bit below that, but he's 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 always a very um, you know very kind of you know. When he's on, he's on. And I thought he played really well. Um, Quisenberry is the center, uh, is a guy that has kind of been a little bit of a journeyman, but has the reputation of being a solid player. And then do you remember the guy from the senior bowl a couple of years ago? I don't remember his name. Let me look it up real quick. He always had his belly out, you know, his big belly. Uh, it feels like that's a, that's a lot of guys that's, in the senior that's bowl. True. talking about Quinn, uh, Quinn Mannerts. Yeah, Quinn Mannerts. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's uh, kind of old, old Wisconsin Whitewater's finest. Yeah, there we go. And he, you know, he was uh, he played the whole Senior Bowl with a broken hand, so good for him. So tough, kind of gritty guy, really good athlete. So I think that group's pretty good, and I think they're better than what we saw against Arizona. So I'm really, really excited to see what our defensive line does against this group. Because again, this is maybe is not the best, the best offensive line in the NFL, but I think they're pretty darn good, you know, and I think they're pretty effective. And I think they're pretty good in pass pro. And I thought, like, when you watch the game down to down, like, because, you know, obviously Max Crosby's there, but there's also, um, in Las Vegas, there's also uh, the first-round pick from uh, Texas Tech who's there, too. Yeah, um, Tyree Wilson. Tyree Wilson, who is a big, freaky-looking dude. And he rushed a couple times against Boyles, and Boyles did a great job kind of understanding what he was trying to do and containing him. So I, I really do believe this group is significantly better than what we saw. And – I want to know if, if this defensive line can be dominant against a group like this. Because, you know, they, they're dominant against uh, – last week against a group they should have been dominant against. But this group is a little bit different. Even the tight ends, like Manhurts, um, the tight end. There is a blocking tight end. He was in uh, – I think he was in Carolina last year. Yeah. Or Jacksonville. He's he's definitely played in Carolina. I don't know. Yeah, he was, he was originally in Carolina. I think he was in Jacksonville for a year. But he's like one of the best blocking tight ends in the NFL. He's basically an extension of the, of the, of the O-line. Like, this is a very – different kind of challenge like they the uh the denver broncos they want to run the football they they want to be physical they want to get after guys and then in those passing situations because of that kind of quick game because of the play action it makes rushers less effective but i also think they're a very talented group so in terms of matchups like circle that one because that's a big one because like the defensive line basically took over the game last week and can they do the same thing this week would be my question to to the team and to them is like, can you do it versus a group that I think is better? 
Well, and you know how you rush against Russ is obviously super important because you know, we talked about you know he wants to get out of the pocket, and we talked about how good James Smith Williams in particular is at setting that edge and keeping things in front of him, and then setting up you know Allen and Payne and Sweat to be able to eat, just kind of push them, push his guy towards those three monsters, and and see what you can get. Uh, and the way Sweat rushes is very disciplined, but also highly effective. Has a sack and a half yeah. last week, so I, I think keeping those edges and making sure that Russ doesn't have the windows to escape uh, in the first place, especially and just like make Russ beat you on time. And, and if he does within the timing of the offense, like congratulations, man, Sean Payton's going to be thrilled, but yeah. making sure that he doesn't get out and do the Russ stuff, I think is, is really important. And obviously the back end will help with that. Cause he just doesn't see very well down it the seems, field. Like, it seems that way. And, uh, small, I mean, small guy who's trouble seeing over the offensive line. He's had uh, ways in his career of creating throwing windows, but, he loves to get out and be off schedule. And, you know, the more you can keep him in, the less he can see. He's just staring at the back of helmets. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the two touchdowns are when he breaks the pocket, you know, in the red zone. Yeah. So, like, can you be disciplined in those situations? And, um, again, like to your point, like it's going to be a huge feature of the game is containing him in the pocket and and just manage. Because I don't think he's the same playmaker that he was, but he still can hurt you. And I, I really want to drive that point home. Like he is a much better quarterback than Josh Dobbs. This offense yeah. is much better than, than Arizona's offense. This defense is much better than Arizona's defense. This is a totally different animal. So can this team, the, the commanders, learn from the mistakes they made or learn from Arizona and kind of match the intensity of this first road trip against a team that I think they, their record might not be great, but they're a good football team. You know, like yeah. they're, they're a good football team. So, um, yeah, I really – I'm really this is this is going to be a very interesting test for this group. Russ completed basically 80% of his passes last week. So like they didn't yeah. go anywhere, but you know, he's he's going to That's, gonna, that's, that's the intent of the offense. Stuff. That's right. the intent, right? It's like find short stuff that you get the ball in your hand quick and where he doesn't have to like he's not throwing interceptions or taking sacks or taking negative plays because this is this is a comprehensive this is a comprehensive team offense. And what I mean by that is like you're not calling the game as an offensive coordinator only. You're calling it in conjunction with your defense, understanding that your defense is going to hold this team to 17 points or whatever, you know? And I think that that is – it's perfectly reasonable after watching them play week one. Like, that is a, is a very talented group. So, it's it's not just me scoring as many points as I can. It's me understanding we've got a really good defense. Let's use that as a tool so that we're not over-leveraging ourselves offensively. Yeah, Definitely. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day, your weekly source for all things commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Um, all right, so that brings us to the running backs because part of you know kind of the transition here is the guy who had the most catches for them last week was Samaje Pirine. And if you had told me in 2017 when I was covering Samaje Pirine as a rookie here in Washington that he would eventually be the leading receiver on a team in any game in his NFL career, I would have looked at you like you had 10 heads. I just looked this up real quick, Logan. This is a guy that had total in his three years at Oklahoma, 40 receptions. 15 as a freshman, 15 as a sophomore, 15 as a junior before leaving or sophomore, junior, senior. I don't remember uh, if he redshirted his freshman year. Point is three years, 40 receptions uh, and 10. Yeah, he was a junior 10 in his last year. He had four uh, the other day. He has completely transformed himself uh, and did that while he was in Cincinnati. They didn't even bother trying to use him out of the backfield when he was here. Cincinnati kind of becomes their third down back. Right. And now he is in that role again behind a very, very good first and second down back who can catch the ball a little bit as well in Javante Williams. The Denver run game is actually the thing that I think is scarier than obviously Russ can create big shots. That is that is scary. And if Jerry Judy is back, that is scary. But I think the big test, especially considering how the linebackers played last week and Cody Barton in particular, um, is going to be this run game for Denver. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> I think it's also important to just it kind of speaks to their offensive philosophy. I think they had well, if you could double check me on this, I think they had fifty two or fifty six offensive snaps. There were twenty one rushing attempts by backs, and I think the backs had six catches. So over half of their offense was running backs. You know what I mean? Like it's. That thing, just let that sink in for a second. Like, so much of what they're doing is going to go through this position group because of this conservative offensive philosophy. And you mentioned Devontae Williams, he had the highest broken tackle percentage of any player coming out of college. He's coming off the ACL, he doesn't look great. 64 offensive snaps, thank you. But so, yeah, about half of what they were doing was through the running backs, which is crazy to think about that. Anyway, the um, but he's a very physical runner, he's a big guy, he breaks tackles, he's got good vision. And I, they are going to give him the ball a ton. So I would expect Jack Del Rio to be like, let's get in Cinco. If they're going to get out here in 12 personnel and 21 personnel, let's get in Cinco. Let's build a wall. Let's let these guys make a bunch of tackles and let's make them punt. Because, you know, there's a reason that analytics are shy, kind of shying away from running the football like this. It's not overly efficient. And when you look at Javante Williams carries, it's like, here's a, here's a gain of one. Here's a gain of two. Here's a gain of three. He'll bust one for 10. Right. But on the whole, it's not an efficient, efficient philosophy. So if you can kind of capitalize on that defensively, you're going to be in a lot of second and nine, second and ten, second and eights. And that's really advantageous for Jack. So can you capitalize on this conservative offensive philosophy and say, if they're going to run the ball so consistently on first down, let's make sure that we're ready and prepared for it. And I think this group is totally ready for it and, and give ourselves opportunities later in this down, uh, down distance sequence to be more effective. Yeah, Vegas did a good job of keeping, you know, making sure there's no explosives in the run game. Um, the, yeah. the longest carry they had was 12 from P. Ryan, and I'm pretty sure if I'm remembering correctly, that was on like a third and yeah. 33 where they like just run a draw pass. and, you yeah. know, he gets like 12 yards and it's like, okay, cool. It's third and 17 now or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, I think it was like literally third and 33. And so it was like fourth and 20 something by the time they're done. <laughs> It's like, cool, you got your 12-yard carry, helps your average. Uh, P. Ryan averages 5-1 on the day on his eight carries. Uh, but in terms of actual down-distance you know, efficacy, not really doing a lot in that department. Javante Williams, 13 carries, 52, a four-yard average, but his long was 11. And that's the thing. It's like you can't give up the explosives in the run game. Just keep them on track. If they want to run it, fine. Um, but you got you to gotta keep them on track. And so, um, 
you know, making sure that Barton is a little faster to the ball, I think is, is obviously going to be key. He's got to be on top of that, but also, you know, with the team and with Russ, who's going to hit you with some play action, who's going to boot away from, you know, where, where everybody's going, uh, you got to be on top of it. And, and that's, that to me is like the concerning part is the stress on the second level of the defense. Obviously if Cam Curl is playing on the second level, I feel better about it. Sure. Uh, but that, that is the kind of, you know, obviously look, Hey, first level of the defense can take care of the running stuff. Great. If, if they don't ever break through and you got John Allen, Deron Payne, making a bunch of tackles and Montez sweat, make it a bunch of tackles. Fantastic. But the stress that they potentially could put on the second level, I think is the, the biggest uh, concerning point for me, potentially this weekend. No, I agree. I think, uh, but you know, like Jamin had an excellent game. I, it'll be yeah. interesting to see. I also think what, like it'll be interesting to see how they handle Cody and the green dot this week, you know, cause I thought Jamin played. You think they could switch it as soon as this week? I don't know. I, I really, I can, I'd be kind of like to get your thoughts on that. Like, I don't think they would do that, but I'm always a guy that kind of like lets people play it out. I just think Jamin played really well. And I think he needs to be on the field more because he played. That's how, and I, I'm, and I'm a big fan of Jamin, but like, I don't think I'm, I think everyone agrees with me. If you look at his, if you watch his plays, he looks like a different dude than he did last year. He looks like the guy from the second half of last year, which is what we thought he would do. So I think that guy, that player needs to be on the field more. So Probably. I haphazardly went on a mini rant yesterday about this on the radio show on Wednesday's show, which yeah. is the biggest, like outside of not having figured out quarterback yet, the biggest issue of the Ron Rivera era in terms of staying in kind of this mediocre seven to 10 or seven to nine win range is resource allocation yeah. and the misuse of resources. And it you just go got on rants started every once in a while, crazy rants once in a while. This, you know, is, this sounds like a legitimate one, but it's so funny. Like this is like, it just seems like uh, it just kind certain of things bother me, man. I know, this is, I get this it. is one of them. It. And it start. you know what it started with though. And, and kind of what really triggered it was, him just saying, yeah, Cameron's working it out on the snaps. And it's like, they traded up for a long snapper. Right. And and they're given this long snapper who they traded up for all the chances in the world at a position where you can just go find a guy who can do the job. And Cam's out there. I'll do respect to Cameron Cheeseman. I hope he figures it out. Like, I'm not wishing for this dude to lose his job because he's a human being and he deserves that respect. But, like, it's not that hard to find another long snapper. Um, right. This is the position. Middle linebacker, a position that you don't typically use first-round picks on, they figure Jamin Davis is special enough, or linebacker, not just middle linebacker. Yeah, Jamin is special enough that we're going to use a first-round pick on him, and three years in, as he is getting better and better and better and has turned into a pretty good football player, right. you're cutting his snaps to 60%? Like, that doesn't yeah. make any sense. Like, I, I understand you signed Barton in free agency, but it's not like you signed him for big money. How about you take the guy that you spent a first round pick on to be a cornerstone of your franchise and you put him on the bleeping field like that to me, yeah. that's just, it's just, it's not that hard. And also he's better. So yeah, yeah. that's my, well, that's right my take sure. on it right now. He's for sure better. And, and again, maybe you don't feel like Jamin can do the green dot. I think he did it the last couple of games of the year, but also cam does it. And so like, yeah. I don't know. So that, that again, I'm not trying to, you know, like say that Cody shouldn't be playing or whatever, but I just think sure. after one game, which is again a very small sample size, Jamin had a really good game and Cody kind of did not have a very good game. So I want the guy who's playing better to be on the field more if I can help it. Now, let's give Cody an opportunity to kind of turn the corner here and play better football, all those kind of things. But that's something that I'd be really curious to see, like how they handle that over the next couple of weeks. Like if Cody doesn't start playing better, like what do they end up doing? 
I agree with you. I think the best case scenario for this team right now is if Barton can play better because then you get your two best guys on the field, right? Theoretically, Barton's one of your best two. Barton and Davis together, great. And the other problem is, like, if Barton is your mic and your signal caller, taking him off the field becomes more complicated. Right. So do you want Jamin, you know, even if you, I guess you could obviously give Cam the green dot and have him call it. But like, do you want even even beyond the actual functional part of the green dot? Do you want Jamin bouncing inside outside, or do you want to over? Because does that feel like overloading Jamin's plate, or is part of the reason he's being successful because he's playing that one will Maybe. linebacker? That's spot? a great point. Maybe. So Maybe that's exactly right. I, I, I don't I, know. That's something that I we don't have the information for. On a philosophical level, I go back to what I just said. I don't yeah. understand why you're setting it up so that your former first round pick isn't on the field all the time. But if given the situation is what it is right now, definitely the best case scenario is to let Barton play through it and hope very, very quickly that he turns it on. But if he doesn't, I think you're right. Like, I think very quickly you have to make that change. Jamin has been too good for too long at this point to have him sitting on the sideline for 30% of snaps because you're, you're trying to get Cody Barton you know, figure it out. Like that well, just doesn't make sense. And to be fair, like you bring up a great point. Like maybe he's, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe he's better in that role, in that capacity. Jamin, I'm talking about, maybe he's better, kind of a little fresher, a little bit mentally fresher. I don't know, but he, he's playing good football. He played good football in the preseason and training camp right now. He's playing good football. And again, like, I feel like to your point, you want to see that, that freak athlete that you drive, you know, four, four, 40 inch vertical, all that stuff, those crazy long arms. Like you want to see that blossom into the guy that is the, again, like the cornerstone of that, of the defensive group, in addition to the defensive line. So um, him like, like, and then cam, you know, like you've got all these defensive pieces. It just, it just is, a, it's, it's weird. Like they've done a really good job. I think in the back end of finding ways to get Percy on the field, finding ways yep. to get St. Juiced on the field. Like they've been very creative in that capacity. And, you know, like one of the big criticisms of of last year, one of the things that they said they wanted to get better is they didn't want Cam to play the Buffalo Nickel as much. But here he is playing the Buffalo Nickel. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. like I don't know. There's there's a, <clears throat> there's a lot of stuff. And again, it's one game. So like, let's not overreact to it. But that's something, again, if I'm keeping an eye on, especially this week, I think it's a team that's going to run the ball a ton. Because I, I thought Cody actually like was okay in terms of recognition of play. But he was getting stuck on blocks a little bit. And this week versus this O-line, he's going to get really stuck. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, like does he improve? Does he get better and that stuff? Um, and, again, that's something like linebacker in this defense seems like it's very, very challenging, to be fair to him. And, like, we talked about that before. So, but can he kind of come along and, and make some plays? And I'm really curious to see that. But, again, you know, two, three weeks down the road, the, does this dynamic shift? And, and we'll see. So, that actually just popped an idea in my head. And, don't don't drop your microphone. Hold on to your seat. What if they actually played a little bit of bass this week? Like what, <laughs> if, what if what if this no this guy no named Kalik Hudson got some snaps? Now they wouldn't no. do it in an actual base because that's not really in their playbook at this point. But in the idea of keeping Cam out of the Buffalo, I do wonder if they kind of put Kalik in the Buffalo role. If if Denver's going to come out in a ton of heavy personnel, and at that point it's basically base. But, you know, they it's have a, packages where Khalid can yeah. be on the field. And so I do wonder a little bit bigger body, you know, and that also has Cam coming down as the run support safety, which is nice. Yeah. Cam and, and Forrest as opposed to Percy. Now, Percy's pretty good in that role. Yeah, saw last well. week. So, like, I mean, I think that's yeah. what you're probably running into is your best personnel grouping is your safeties right yeah. now. 
So get as many of those guys on the field as you can. I, I just I think like one of the things they said is they don't want Cam to get banged up, and so how do you mitigate some of those hits uh, playing the Buffalo? Because he's excellent, man, dude. Like watching the game, he is an absolute animal. Like he's taking on pulling guards, he's cutting guys down, like he's skating blocks, he's doing all this stuff that's really awesome. And I, and you want that on the field as much as possible, but I also want that on the field for week eighteen. You know what I mean? I want it right. for the whole year as opposed to sporadically. So. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that too moving forward, like how they handle his load, how they handle well, his I think the and, idea was that Quan was going to pick up some without, of that slack. Yeah. And obviously Quan is, uh, if people didn't see the injury report, Quan is DMP right now. He's in concussion protocol. Um, but also he, the way he played in the preseason, they and based off his snap count in week one, which was zero on defense, it's pretty clear that he's not ready for the big time yet. Sure. Sure. And, and, and yeah. Yeah, and so we'll, we'll see what, how that all shakes out. Again, week one, think about last year, week one, and think about like week 10 of last year. Like it was Carson completely Wentz, going to make yeah. the Pro Bowl. Yeah, and so like there's a lot of stuff that still needs to be figured out. And guys have off weeks, and I think we'll see how they they, 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 as we get more data points, we'll have more answers on this. But these are just some things that I think after week one, we're kind of all kind of keeping an eye on defensively. Like we're all excited. It's a very talented group, and we're talking about little minutia here, but Cody Barton's development, Cam Crow's utilization, can he stay healthy? You know what I'm saying? Like, and can yep. Chase playing on defense. All those things are yep. things that are, are going to be really interesting to watch over the next couple of weeks. I don't think there's any disputing that it's a very talented group. We're really excited about that group. And so we can talk about some of these smaller, minute details and uh, and kind of see how it goes. But again, they this this week, they're not going to be challenged, um, you know, down the field as much. It's going to be a very physical kind of rock'em, sock'em robots type deal. And I think this group, um, you know, has shown that they can handle that kind of thing. So. Rock'em, sock'em. That, I've, I feel like if we did podcast titles uh, based off of quotes from the episode, it's going to be a rock'em, sock'em robots type deal would 100% be the title of like this Like you episode. just stand, like, you know, they just stand, they just punch each other. Oh, yeah, I remember. Bop, 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 bop. So that's what it is. No no cover guarding, just we're, we're just punching each other in the face for six That's a Logan Paulson type of game right there. <laughs> All right. Uh, again, next time you'll hear from us will be Sunday, 1 p.m. We are at MGM National Harbor broadcasting live for the Take Command pregame show. Your boy is officially uh, out of quarantine, Logan, so I there will be there. Uh, I am excited to be back out of my own home. Uh, I have sat in this exact chair. I actually haven't moved from this chair. All I've done is radio shows and podcasts from this chair. I don't even remember what my living room looks like. That's not true. <laughs> uh, but I'll see you guys on Sunday with Logan at Tap MGM Sports Bar or Tap Sports Bar at MGM National Harbor. Uh, and of course, if you can't make it to join us there in Oxon Hill, you can watch on YouTube at the Team 980 at 106.7 The Fan or listen on either radio station, either on the radio or on the free odyssey app uh be back then sunday night for our post game pod also live uh on all the digital platforms uh we got to figure out the timing of that with the 425 game so stay tuned to the social medias to know when that is going to happen logan's at logan underscore paulson 82 on instagram and i am on twitter at craig hoffman and yes i'm still calling it twitter all right that's it for this show see you next time peace out Thanks for watching this clip of Take Command. First, why don't you why don't you like it? It lets other people know that it was good, and then they should watch it too. And Logan, we have a new exclusive home for full episodes. We do. 1067 The Fans YouTube page. Go check it out and please subscribe. Yeah, do do what Logan said. Do He's it. Very, very smart. <laughs>